as students what we need to be successful. I feel like you need a lot of guidance from like your uh, peers around you because they uh, may help you in the long run. I feel like we need motivation and people to understand that everyone isn't the same and don't have the same learning style. Hi everyone, and welcome to Equity in New Haven. My name is Mishgan Feroz, and I'm one of the Equity Access and Achievement TOSAs here at James Logan High School. Each episode, we will focus on highlighting our district's DEI efforts and shedding some light on important issues. We hope that you find our episodes helpful and informative. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Equity in New Haven. Today we have Mikey McKelvey as our special guest. Mikey is our Director of K-12 Instruction. And co-hosting with me, we have Nancy Santiago from Pioneer Elementary School. Mikey is here to discuss how growth mindset and UDL are interconnected and how cultivating both can help you and your students in the classroom. Before we get started, uh, Mikey, can you tell us a little bit about your background in education, like how many years? Yeah, so um, thank you for having me. Um, I've actually been in education for about 32 years. It's actually 31 and a half. Um, And in that time, I've been a third grade teacher, a seventh grade core teacher. Um, I've been a writing coach, a literacy coach. I've worked at district office as a teacher on special assignment around writing and assessment. I've been a principal at um, Kitayama Elementary School and the coordinator of EL instruction for the district. And I, as you said, am currently the director of K-12 instruction here in the district. Nice. That's amazing. <laughs> lots, lots of background. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, um, let's get started. Um, how would you describe what is UDL? So UDL stands for um, Universal Design for Learning. Mm-hmm. And when people first hear that, they think, you know, oh, my God, it, it's something new. It's something that somebody's coming in that's never been in instruction before is trying mm-hmm. to get us to do. But when you really look at the three principles of UDL, it's really around um, asking for us as teachers and um, educators to ask ourselves questions like, are our students engaged with the lesson? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of different reasons kids could or could not be engaged. But it's about how do we build background knowledge for our students? How do we... Um, introduce things in, in a way that makes it relevant for them. So if I'm teaching something in my classroom, do the students see that it's something that they they should be learning? But it's also about um, involving your students within the lesson through engagement. Are they making goals around what they're learning? Are they able to choose things that they're going to use to help them learn? When we get past that engagement piece, we start looking at multiple means of representation, which really just means, what are we teaching? Are we asking them to read something, watch a movie, go online? And then it also asks us to think about how we're teaching it. Are we teaching it whole class, small groups? Um, are we um, encompassing things like project-based learning? Do the students have lots of different choices? But it also goes through how do you support your students when you're teaching something? Are we using strategy charts, for example, on the wall? Do students have supports on their desk if they're struggling, for example, with multiplication? Mm-hmm. Do they have multiplication tables on their test so they don't um, on their desk so they don't have to go around and look for it and then the last principle of UDL is looking at action and expression which really just means how do we ask our students to show us what they know in a way that makes sense to them um, a lot of times when people hear UDL they think oh I have to write 
40 different lesson plans for 40 different kids in my classroom. And it really isn't about that. It's about looking at your class holistically and knowing what you know about your students and knowing what you know about what you're supposed to teach next is how do you support all of your students and um, to be successful. And one of the things that UDL says a lot is, you know, for all to mean all, it also needs to be each, mm-hmm. right? So do all of our students get what they need? But for all of our students to do that, we need to make sure that each of our students gets what they need to be successful. So that's kind of UDL in a nutshell. Great. Thank you. And also, it also kind of reduces the stigma too, right? Because since everyone gets a variety of options, um, no one's getting singled out. It's, it's really about... Um, it's, it's really about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. When UDL first started, it was um, mainly focusing on special ed students and how can we um, create um, systems and structures for special ed students to be successful in our classroom. But now um, that it's, and it started back in like 1999, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's not something that's new, but um, now it's gone through a lot of different changes and, and we're looking at it differently with the idea that, you know, even if I put something in place for a special ed student in my classroom who's on a 504 Mm -hmm. or IEP, something that's essential for that student to be successful in my classroom is going to benefit all the students in my classroom, right? And so we're looking at um, different things. There's books around UDL and English language learners. There's books around um, anti-racism in the classroom and UDL. And it's really about um, how do we make sure that when we're teaching something, we as teachers are reflective about what's happening in our classroom, but also involving our students so that they feel that they're a member of the classroom. Again, are they creating goals? Are they able to have choices? Are they able to um, work with each other? Um, that whole idea is if you go back to, you know, Vikoski's um, graduate release of responsibility is mm-hmm. we want to do the I'm doing, we're doing, and you're doing by yourself. And we want to get our students to that independent level where they're able to kind of take control of the classroom and do the learning um, because they're the ones who who are trying to drive that instruction um, that's happening in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Um, so would you say that the goal of UDL is to adjust the design of the environment the lesson plans and the teaching approach rather than changing the learner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, now, as far as growth mindset, maybe we should have started with growth mindset because uh, the mindset seems to be the catalyst, like, you know, the foundational base for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, how would that tie into UDL? So a couple of ways that it it ties into you, Dale, you know, if you really go back to, and I never say her name right, but it's like Carol Dialski or something. I never say her <laughs> name right. Um, but if you go back to what she was talking about is a lot of times there's there's a couple of mindsets that go on in the classroom, right? You know, unfortunately, we do have some, um, sometimes teachers do have unconscious biases, right? Where they, they specifically already think, oh, these students may not be successful in my classroom because of a variety of reasons. They may not be successful because they have IEPs or 504s or they're language learners. Mm-hmm. Or or, you know, unfortunately sometimes it's because they belong to certain um ethnic groups. Right. And so UDL helps us as teachers try and change that mindset for our teachers. But it also we have students who um right now we're doing a um a UDL group after school once a month on Tuesdays. And some of the struggles that our teachers are having is, you know, we want them to make goals. We want them to do these things, but we have fourth and fifth graders in our district who 
are coming to class and, and they don't think they can do well at something. They've already decided, you know, as a third grader, you know, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at writing. And so part of UDL is to one, encourage students, as I said before, to be active participants in their learning, but it's also for us to to reflect on how can we make sure our students see themselves as, um, it's called, um, it's the goal of UDL is how do we create them to be something called expert learners, right? Mm -hmm. We want our students to be purposeful and motivated. So how do they see themselves in our curriculum and how do they see themselves as learning these skills that are going to help them in life? But we also want them to be resourceful and knowledgeable, which means if I'm pulling a small group, for example, the other students in my classroom, they know where to get the help. It's, it's on the wall or it's, you know, it's in Google classroom or it's on Seesaw, it's on Canvas. And, but they also know how to use that knowledge and they, they can kind of figure out their problems by themselves so that they can become independent. Mm -hmm. But it's also about being strategic and co-directed. If you think about Reader's Apprenticeship, which is at the high school and middle school, when you think about something like Stephanie Harvey, which is at the elementary school, and um, those two strategies ask kids, for example, to to read independently and also to think about when do they get lost in their reading, right? Use that metacognition and how do they stop and then ask themselves questions or clarify. And in UDL, those are perfect UDL strategies. How do we get our students to do that in all of our subjects? Mm -hmm. How do they figure out, oh, you know, I'm stuck here, but I can get past the stuck point because I know growth mindset. I know that if I just keep trying, it'll get better and it will get easier, right? And so we don't want our students, if it goes back to that engagement piece, you know, we want our students to be engaged, not just to feel good about themselves in our classroom, but we want them to be engaged in that part where they they run into a struggle and they don't give up. They continue to stay engaged so that they can continue to to, to learn and become, you know, the, the students that they can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think what you said really resonated with me when teachers have a bias, even before they even know the students, they've almost like, okay, well, you still have to find what strategies works for that student. You know, it may not, there. it's not one size fits all. I think that's the beauty of UDL. It's like you design a lesson that may be different from each student, mm -hmm. but you'll still hit that in, instructional, that core instructional place. And, and UDL is really based on the idea that every student every day in your classroom is exposed to grade level material. We, you know, differentiation, there's a place for differentiation when you have a lens of UDL, but differentiation isn't the goal because we want to remember once we differentiate, that means we're giving a student less, right? Mm -hmm. We're giving them less. Or, you know, if they're a higher achieving student, we're giving some students more. Um, and again, there's a place for that. Um, you kind of have to balance that. But with UDL, you're always looking at what is that grade level standard or what is that grade level skill my students need. And um, Nancy, I like how you said, you know, you're you're planning for those edges, right? You're planning for those students who are at one end who really need a lot of support. But you're also planning for those students at the other end and how do we push and, and get those students to accelerate. And there's this great um, saying called the end of average right? Because there isn't really an average student. You know, unfortunately, textbooks are made for the average student, mm -hmm. right? So how do we use our textbooks, for example, look at what we have to teach, but then also tweak and add to the lesson so that it's it's meeting both those high ends and those low ends. And, it, you know, it isn't 40 different lessons for 40 different kids, but it's maybe five things, five things I can add today that are going to be 
essential for these these lower kids to be successful in my classroom. But those five things are going to benefit everybody because everybody has the choice to use those tools, whatever those tools are. Right. And I think what's important is also the choice. Like you can design a lesson, but have them different ways that the student can show learning. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I've gotten a lot of out of the UDL. It's like, you know, some kids would prefer drawing, some would prefer doing, you know, a video. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that's something that we see more, especially in the high school, you know, when we did our equity walks, that was something I'm wondering about. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how can we instill this in teachers at all levels? Mm-hmm. So that's something to look forward to. Right. And and if you think about it, like as adults, like I as a learner, I need options to flexibility or whatnot. I don't do well with just this, you know, standard set or whatnot. So if it's um, whether if I'm given an option of, something that I could do with, with video, video or media, obviously, or yeah. um, as opposed to like writing or um, maybe verbally I can mm-hmm. Um, express it or whatnot. So same thing with our students, you know. And and the beauty of UDL and building on that is, you know, you, you have – you have your standards, right? And some of those standards are just content standards, something our students need to know, right? And when you have a content standard, something like they need to know all the reasons for the Civil War. How my methods and my materials, right? The methods that I use, whole class, small group, all that stuff, or the materials, videos, these, that, and the other thing, I have a lot of flexibility in how I teach mm-hmm. the, the reasons or causes for the Civil War. And then my assessment could also be a choice. My students could do a right. poem, a play, or a podcast. But we also have standards where, for example, write an essay. Yeah. Right? The student has, all of our students have to write that essay. But I still have a lot of choices, and I can still provide a lot of choices for my students in those materials and methods, right? How do I teach how to write an essay? In the end, we're all going to write an essay. Yeah. But my choices come at the front end rather than the, the back end, right? So once once you really understand those standards and you can break them down to specific skills, you can then start saying, oh, my kids are going to really have a hard time with this skill. Well, that's a whole group lesson then. But, hey, they all have this, so I'm going to provide some choices for them. Or, you know, they, they're going to work best here in, in small groups. And, you know, my, my hope, as Nancy was saying, my hope is that we can do kind of K-12. I know that um, for the last couple of years we've been focusing on um, – the elementary level this year I've been able to go into both of the middle schools and do a few little things around UDL. And I'm just hopeful that it will kind of grow next year with the idea that then hopefully we can, you know, also tag on to the, to the high school students, because if, if anybody could be a purposeful learner, right. I mean, if kindergartners can do it, right. <laughs> Definitely a junior in high school. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So the UDL and SEL, how is that? connected like how can we because I know at Pioneer we're trying to have different ways to support students in their SEL so how does that UDL component tie in with that that's the part that actually um, there's this um, wonderful um, crosswalk about how um, integrating UDL and SEL and work in the classroom but if you really think about that um the goals of social emotional learning, it's its really to have students, um, you know, one, feel safe. But it's also about how do they um, um, react to, to things that 
maybe difficult for them, right? How do they react to others in the classroom? How do they use interpersonal skills? Um, how do they see themselves in their own thought process within their classroom? And they've done a lot of studies with um, UDL and SEL. And, you know, a lot of times we'll do SEL will be, oh, we'll do a morning meeting, 30 minutes in the morning, and, and that's your, your SEL for the day. But what we want to remember is, UDL and SEL go together when you're doing instructional practices. So if I am purposefully um, thinking about growth mindset and I'm purposefully creating um, experiences in my classroom, for example, we're going to do, I'm just going to go back to writing an essay. We're going to be writing an essay today in our classroom. And you've already written some essays. So let's look at some rubrics. What do you, as a student, think you need to work on based on what you did before? Right. And so the students are going to do some goal setting. And by doing that goal setting, it actually automatically um, activates their brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we have to not just do the goal setting, but we have to come up with some things that you're going to do to make sure that you can hit that goal. And so now the student is self-reflecting. Well, in my classroom, we're also going to work in groups and you're going to be peer editing. You're going to be peer revising your groups um, and having them work with students in groups by if you have a class and sometimes you have them a class that you may not just gel together when you're working in groups, but setting those parameters up. Like today I'm going to assign AB partners or today we're going to use these sentence stems or today we're going to use this structure. Whenever you're doing activities like that, it actually increases their students' um, self-worth, mm -hmm. right? Having that growth mindset. If, if I feel that I'm bad at math and I never have an opportunity to work with others in my math class, or I never have an opportunity to do choice in my math class because I'm in, you know, I'm in that low group and I see the high kids, they're always choosing, they're always choosing. But for me, I'm always stuck at this other table or I'm always stuck and being pulled out. I'm always stuck doing something like that. It actually um, creates negative, SEL, right? It creates a negative self um, image of the child. And so UDL and SEL really go well together. The more choices you offer kids, the more um, they feel confident and they have they have student efficacy, right? They think that I can actually tackle um, this problem. I am actually a worthy member of the classroom. I am, my voice is important um, to you. And you can't design UDL lessons without really knowing your students, right? Um, in our class that we just had a couple of weeks ago, we really talked about hidden assets. Our students all have hidden assets that they bring. And, you know, maybe today they're not very good at adding numbers and math, but that student may know everything, yes. right, about football, Minecraft, cooking, whatever. So how do you tap into those interests and bring them into that math class? So, yeah, today you can't do this, but together we're going to get through it. But I also know you really like this. And today we're going to do this activity. And when you're doing that, really think hard about Minecraft or football or, and see if you can make those connections, um, which just involves them more. And they see themselves as being worthy mm -hmm. and of, of being in our classrooms. No, absolutely. And that part's so powerful when you tie in the student's interest in the classroom lesson. Um, yeah, the kids, they just shine. Because yeah. part of it is like they feel like they belong in this yeah. classroom and that the teacher cares for them exactly. and that they listen to their own interests. So I think that kind of like draws them in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, and Mikey, if there's anything that educators or teachers want to know more, can they email you? 
Oh, always, 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 okay. always. And, um, you know, if you, if there's a couple books out there that I would recommend, the first one is actually the third edition of something called UDL Now. And it's by Katie Novak, who's kind of the guru of UDL. She didn't create UDL, right? Because UDL has been around since 1999. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of the person that has kind of taken it and launched it into more of a national um, kind of exposure. Right. There's this wonderful book, especially if you're a middle school or a high school teacher, other upper grade elementary would be really good too. It's called Equity Bay Design, Delivering on the Power and Promise of UDL by Mirko Chardon. And it really talks a lot about how, in a, especially in secondary classrooms, using that lens of UDL coupled with um, social justice. And um, I can't think of the other one right now, <laughs> but um, it, it'll come to me after you leave. But um, it really talks a lot about building relationships with your students, how to use social justice as a lens within your Mm -hmm. classroom to invigorate your students Mm -hmm. and how to support them through culturally responsive teaching. See, I do remember what it was. (laughs) Um, It's a really good book and it's an easy, fast read. And the thing I really appreciate about it is it gives you um, little stories from different places across the country about how they use UDL within those classrooms. So those are some books that I would recommend. Awesome. Thank you. So listeners, I will link um, Mikey's email in the show notes and also the two books Mm -hmm. that you recommended. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you.